This morning's Bible reading is from 1 Kings 17, 1 to 16. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, surely there will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the book of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the book Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour of the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son, that way we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and one for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day of the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Pastor Chloe, um, if you've got your um, sermon outline booklets here, the only one that uh, can you grab some of those, Chloe, just in case anyone's got uh, hasn't got it but wants uh, wants one. We're up to uh, the prayer of faith, and um, so this year for us, within the coast, is a, a, a year of increasing in love and an ever increasing faith. Amen. So it's a good confession to have about ourselves. I grow in love and I have an ever-increasing faith. Yes. And um, we've been looking at, so last week we looked at the prayer of faith as described in James chapter 5. And uh, James says, uh, if anyone's sick amongst you, let them call for the elder. Uh, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll pray over them, uh, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall heal, heal the sick. And then he goes on to describe the prayer of faith. He says, Elijah was a man who was like us, a person like us. He was very human. He had his human frailties and weakness. But he prayed the prayer of faith and uh, the rain stopped. And then he prayed it again and the rain started up again. That's basically a paraphrase. You know. And then it's interesting. We talked about different types of prayers of faith, how prayer of faith uh, needs to have a, an assurance of what the will of God is before it prays it. And, uh, and we talked about how it's interesting if you look at Elijah um, and, and also what Elijah did and compare it with Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, where Jesus says, we should be able to remember this off by heart. He says, have faith in God. 
But who says to that mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, whatever you ask or pray for, believe that you have received it, and you shall have it. So Jesus is talking about the prayer of faith, and he says, Whatever you ask or pray. So prayer of faith actually encompasses much more than just praying to the Heavenly Father. And the uh, Jewish idea of prayer was a, uh, much bigger than what we, we have. It involved all the sorts of communications that you might have with God and what you might say and speak in the light of those. So we see that Elijah, when it came time for uh, the rain to uh, stop, that he spoke to it and he said, there won't be any rain. That's pretty bold. Right, but uh, what we're going to ask, uh, what we're going to ask ourselves today is, what can we base that sort of faith on? This sort of bold, stubborn, single-minded faith, because uh, the prayer of faith needs to be single-minded. It needs to be stubborn, and we're going to read uh, from. Um, James chapter one in a minute about uh, James describes the prayer of faith. He says uh, how how it needs to be single-minded, but it does um, does remind me of um, a story about this uh, on an Indian American Indian um, um, territory. He says an Indian an Indian was newly married and was having trouble with his with his uh, wife. What's the name of him? Squaw. Thank you. It's not, not Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> and so he went to the, the, the counselor at the, uh, on these territories, and um, apparently, apparently my son-in-law's part Indian. Is that right? We haven't worked out which part yet, but nevertheless, part Cherokee. Cherokee, yeah. And uh, which you might be wondering why I've lost uh, so much. <laughs> anyway, he said, "Listen, I'm having came to the the, the council. He said I'm having trouble with." Uh, uh, my wife, is, she's just, she can't make up her mind. One day she wants a wigwam, and the next day she wants a teepee. I said, well, what do you want? Well, I, I'd really like a wigwam. I'd like a wigwam, I'd like like this, and, and then I'd like a little kitchen there. And she said, I'm just getting ready to build a wigwam. And then she goes, well, I changed my mind, I want a teepee. And the counselor said, I know what her problem is. She said, please tell me, what's her problem? She's too tense. <laughs> but nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, which one did she get? <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> Send me to James, uh, James chapter one, and we'll have a look at what James says. James is who loves the book of James. Yes. Hallelujah. He's one of these incredibly practical pastors. He was actually pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And God puts pastors to look after churches, and uh, he must have had a lot of, uh, probably, I don't know, what am I allowed to say, Linda? Fruit Loops, fruit cakes, sort of, anyway, spiritually challenged people who, who said, because he kind of just brought them all back to the practical, but woven in there is some very spiritual things. And so in James chapter 1, turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 1. There's one particular verse that we're going to focus on today. But if you've got it with you, I just want to highlight um, a few things to show you that uh, the context of what we're talking about that. One of the keys of uh, good reading of your Bible is just to read the context. See what's happening. 
All right? And so in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, so we're going to base this today's um, sermon and uh, message on, on verse 6 to uh, 8, which says, uh, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and not be given to him. If you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives generously without reproach. That means he's not checking to see whether you're worth it or saying you've got to get your act together or saying, you know, I'm going to give it to you on these conditions that, you know, you, you know, you haven't, you haven't been given enough on a Sunday and, you know, you've been kicking the cat. But without reproach, and it will be given to him. But whoever it is must ask in faith without anything doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But that person ought not to expect ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man unstable in all these ways being double-minded means that on one hand I want a wigwam and on the other hand I want a teepee or you know I think I think God's doing this and God's doing this and I want this and you're just not stable in what you're asking of God and what you're expecting um, James tends to put things uh, on the negative. When I get to heaven, I say, James, you need to learn to write the positive. It's much more uplifting. So instead of saying, don't be double-minded, we can say, if you'd expect anything from God, you need to be single-minded. You need to be stubborn about it. And to be stubborn, you've all met these people that are, are stubborn. Wise, don't turn around, don't elbow your husbands. All right? But, you know, they think they know. They're short. They know all right, and uh, whether they know or not, it doesn't seem to deter how stubborn they are. But nevertheless, we're called to be single-minded if we're to pray the prayer of faith. And it's interesting here. We won't go through this if we're at Bible College. We dissect this, but if you just have a look in, in uh, James one one to four, um, he's saying that your faith will be tested. He said, "Count it all joy when you count various trials." The testing of your faith produces endurance. Who knows when they've been through things and God's delivered them, and they come out the other end and they're in victory. Then the next time those things come, you just go, ah, ha, ha, like those Japanese cartoons, ah, you know, just laugh in the face of testings and trials. All right, verses five to. Uh, Eight says to ask in faith. And verses 9 to 11, it's talking about self-reliance. He actually says, blessed are those who are humble. Those who have plenty of means really don't have the opportunity to believe God for much, and they get very prideful. Blessed are the ones that actually need to learn to rely on God. And then it says this uh, in verses uh, 12 to 15, he's talking about don't blame God for your situation. So before you pray this prayer of faith, or when you pray for it, you've got to understand that, that if you're in a time of testing or time of trial, they call it time of testing or trial, which means there's evil coming your way, things are happening. He said, Do, don't blame God. It's not God who put you there. It's not God who's will for you to be there. All right? And we, we think, well, God must be wanting me to go through this valley and this, that, and the other. Well, yeah. If that's the case, what's it going to be like in heaven? We're all going to be going through this valley. Because, you know, Jesus said, let thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. 
as God's will for us to, you know, he wants us to go through the valley, out the other side, yeah. victorious, yeah. unscathed, all right? And that's when we do that and we learn to stand in faith, that's when we build endurance. Hallelujah. And so don't blame God. So it's a, blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial. Verse 13 says, no one is to say when he's tempted. That word means tested. It means you're coming into a really hard situation. No one is to say, I'm being tested by God. That's pretty clear. Yeah. I can't get much more clear than that. No one is to say, I'm being tested or tempted by God. God cannot, that means he is not able to test you with evil. That's bad things. God is not able to put sickness upon you to test you. He doesn't have any. Yes. It, it is not in heaven. He doesn't, God is, God does not put fear on you to test you. This is black and white, guys. No one's to say I'm being tested by God. God cannot test people with evil. So he cannot be tempted by evil. And he doesn't tempt anyone or test anyone with evil. But then he goes on to this, a few things. He talks about, he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. And now he starts to lay a real foundation. He's just getting rid of some, you know, he's just... I don't know if you ever cut down trees in the forests or whatever, and we did a little bit of that when I was a kid. We used to chop out lantana around our house in Hunters Hill so that my dad could grow our backyard by a couple of acres. We, 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 uh, we, we, borrowed, we borrowed some land from the Wayne Cove National Park. <laughs> I just, just to put it nicely. <laughs> cut out the lantana, I cut down the trees, sowed some lawn, and you know, we, all of a sudden we had this beautiful big, uh, we lived in Hunters Hill. All right. But sometimes you've got to get rid of some of the lantern around before you can get to the tree. And uh, James has just been getting rid of some little issues that people might have here. Like you've got to be humble and think yourself sufficient. Don't blame God. All right. How can you ask God to deliver if you, if you think that he's the one that's putting you there? Yeah, yeah. So just get that sorted out. And then he, then he gets to the tree. So this is the issue, big issue we have with the prayer of faith. All right, he says this, do not be deceived. This is an issue that deceives people, which is why God says, do not be deceived. (laughs) Gosh, honestly, reading the Bible is, it's not hard, guys. It takes a theologian to stuff it up. All right. He says, do not be be deceived. That means that this is something that people are deceived on. Okay. Very good. Past Bible Interpretation 101. Read it. What Read what it says. Believe it. All right? No need to dig down deep when the, you know, the nuggets are there on the surface. You understand? He says this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good thing. So he's laying a foundation for faith. He's saying, you're not to be double-minded. You need to be single-minded. This, you're going to have to be stubborn on. This is where we dig our heels in for faith. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. Everything good that we have in this life is from God. 
friends, family, health, provision, sunshine, rain, flowers, beautiful beaches, hills. It's all from God. If it's good, it's from God. All right. You need to. You don't need a spirit of discernment, of discerning, or the gift of discernment. Not that there is such a gift. It's never mentioned in the Bible. So I guess we might just invent some things up, you know, because we want to be spiritual or something. But you don't need that discernment to understand: Is it good, God? Is it bad, devil? It's simple. He just said he went about doing. Bible says doing good, healing, healing God, all who were oppressed, devil. Said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Devil. I've come that you might have life. Have life? God. Huh. All right. Let's get your theology. Forget what the. If you're reading some theology and, the, and he tries to tell you that God wants to make you sick, you just need to go back and read the Bible. Stop digging so deep. Just read what it says. All right. Every good thing. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in who there is no variation and no shifting shadow. If it's light, it comes from God. There's no shadow in him because he is the source of light. And a lot of the confusion we have around when we believe in God for things and the ground shifts and because we're looking for light from maybe the circumstances. All right, we're looking for discerning who God is and God's will by, by what we see, and what we see changes. Yeah. And so with all this variation, God's changed his mind. No, he is the source of light. There is no variation, there's no shifting shadow in him. And so if, if the Holy Spirit through the Apostle James says, says that we are to be stubborn in some things. Then evidently there's some things we need to know and believe about God which are unchangeable no matter what we see, no matter what the outcome is, no matter what others say, we will not be moved yeah. on this. Yeah. And Hebrews 11.6 says this, If anyone comes to God, whoever comes to God must believe two things especially. One, that he is, and I'll talk more about that, and two, that he rewards those who come to him. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, when it says he is, it's not he is in a theistic sort of a way or, you know, like uh, Eisenhower, uh, uh, um, E equals MC squared. Who said that? Sorry? Einstein believed in a God, but he was this God who was just out there. Now, this, this is believed that he is. That means he's present. He's here now with us. In the time of trial, I believe that he's here. He is. He's present. And he rewards people who come to him. Hallelujah. So there's going to be some things about him being here, there's some things about God's nature, that if we're to pray a prayer of faith, that we're going to need to be just so sold out that I don't care what you say, I don't care what theologian, I don't care who I read, I don't care who's on TV, I don't care what, I don't care. You know, 
because I am sold on this. There was a stage in my life I can remember where I was really challenged in what I believed. But soon after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I had a friend who all, all believed these really weird things like God wants you well. And I went, you can't say that. Well, I know you can. And then some things happened and I, I can remember kneeling down in the bed of my room and saying, God, I just... I, I know nothing. I still say that <laughs> sometimes. I used to spout my mouth off and get really opinionated. And now when I give my opinions, I say, but don't listen to me. I know nothing. <laughs> but I get to say, I know nothing about you. I remember praying saying, I know nothing, God, other than you created the heavens and earth. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus died and rose and dead for me. And your word is true. They're the other things I'm fully convinced of. And my whole belief system had to change from, from the word. But... There's some things we really need to know about God that we won't be ever persuaded on. And that Bible reading that um, Margaret so eloquently read, <laughs> you know, Elijah was fully convinced. And how did he get to that place when he was, he was fully convinced? I can tell you it had nothing to do with his circumstances. Because if you think, you know, there's this time of, I just said there's going to be a famine, so there's a famine. There's time of famine here. God sends him to a place where there's a crook and then he, crook, creek. <laughs> a crook is halfway between a creek and a brook. This depends which translation you read, you know. <laughs> Don't ask me if you get the translation which says wadi. Nevertheless, crawadi. But... And it says it there, and of course the river's flowing. Just turn there. Turn there quickly. I want to... Um, so where are we going? To 1 Kings 17? If you don't know where 1 Kings is in the Bible, it's the book just before 2 Kings. <laughs> uh, just, just so you know. Or alternatively, you can go to page 514. So it says here... Guys, we had just got to take God at his word, all right? Yeah. It, you know, don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> it says here uh, in verse, um, start from verse 1, As the Lord of God Israel lives before whom I stand, there certainly be no dew or rain these years except by my word. That's a prayer of faith. Yeah. If you know what God's will is, you can speak it. If he's given you the authority, you know, I talked last week about how when God envisaged, talks about prayer and Jesus talked about prayer, it's more of this sand pit which you and God are in and life is going on. And there's some things you need to ask him for and some things he gives you the tools to do. And so when he's given you the tools to do and the authority to do, then you don't ask him to do it. You do it. All right? You speak it. And so he spoke this because he had authority. And the Lord of the word the word of the Lord came to him saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink from the brook that I've commanded the ravens to provide food for you there. How did he have faith? It's just not complicated, sport fans. How did he have faith to go to the brook and receive food from the ravens? The Lord said it. The Lord said it. Yeah. 
Smith Wigglesworth used to say, uh, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. And it's a, it, it takes that really stubborn kind of faith where you just, I know what I believe, I'm not going to be changed. God says I'm to go to this brook and the ravens are going to feed me in the water, therefore it's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen. And if you don't have water, you don't have food, and you've got a few days' journey to the brook, it's a step of faith to go to that brook. All right? But you're just stubborn in what you believe because, because if you're not stubborn, then if you're not single-minded, then you're going to be double-minded. And if you're double-minded, there is something that you could, James says, if you're double-minded when you pray, then you can expect something from the Lord. What is it? Nothing. Nothing. James 1 says, if you're double-minded, expect to receive, <laughs> expect to receive nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, that's funny. <laughs> if you're double-minded, expect to receive nothing. You know, to bring more TV, bring more TV. You're not going to end up with anything. Except maybe one of those $19 single-man tents you can get from Kmart, you might end up with that. <laughs> you know, like if Marcel said to me, Pastor Grant, Last night I was down the pub and I saw Linda dancing on one of the tables. <laughs> I would know that's not true. He said, honestly, I've seen it. Even if you pulled out a photo, he said, I said, photoshopped. All right? Because I know her and you just could not convince me that she would be dancing on a table. She much prefers dancing on the bar tops. <laughs> but if you know the nature of God, you're going to be stubborn when things would, James says, any, don't accuse God of doing things. That's not in his nature. He ain't got no bad things in heaven. There's enough double negatives there. He ain't got nothing in heaven which is bad. He doesn't send bad things. He doesn't send bad things to teach you a lesson. He sends you the Holy Spirit to teach you. Now, if you dig your heels in and get stubborn and ignore him, more bad things are going to happen, but it's not from him. He tried to warn you. I told you. Sometimes when you parent, you know, parenting, parenting, one of the skills of parenting is the art of allowing natural consequences. You know that, all right? (laughs) Like sometimes there are unnatural consequences. You know, and sometimes it's the, the best lessons are natural consequences. And sometimes you tell your kid, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And they do it. Yeah, stubbed your toe. I told you not to go out without putting your shoes on. And they learn. Right? And God is really good at the art of natural consequences. He, he says, and James says, blame yourself. You stubborn fool. You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't do it. God didn't send his Holy Spirit to teach us and speak to us to then have to turn and discipline us and train us by sickness or poverty or fear. Don't happen. So Elijah's get this word of the Lord and he acts on it. And then it says, everything went according to the word of the Lord and he went and lived by the brook Cherith east of Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and eat in the evening and he'd go and he'd drink at the brook. But after a while, that brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. 
Do you know what the real spiritual significance of this? Now, this is a trick question, so please, no one embarrass yourself by putting up your hand. Do you know, that it happened after a while that the book dried up. I think we might need to really dig deep on that description. Let's get the spiritual significance of that so that we can, you know, have a full five-sermon series on the brook there driving up, you know. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means in the Hebrew? That after a while the book dried up and how you can plummet the different meanings and, and work out how many letters are together and whether it's five or six, because if it's five-letter word, it means something different to six or eight or seven. You know. Do you know what it means? It means after a while, the brook dried up. Now, you might think I'm joking with you, but you should be surprised how many people dig down. Well, did you dig down deep into dig down? But when it just tells you, don't look for hidden meanings when it's obvious. The brook dried up. And do you know why it dried up? Because there was a drought on. <laughs> That's it. Don't blame God. There's a drought on. But God will provide you with things. Don't look for some hidden meaning because you didn't get paid this week. Or, like, you know, it, it just, the book dries up. There's a drought on. Believe God. Get your act together. Find a scripture. Hide a promise. Be fully persuaded, stubborn about who God is. All right? Then the word of the Lord. Has faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And you know, there's some things in our life that we're fully persuaded of because God has promised it. And it says in it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All of them. All of them. Every single one. How many? All of them. And Peter had this great revelation with the new covenant. He said, God is not a respecter of persons. He's got a promise for you that you claim and receive, then it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. And how Elijah had faith to go to that widow's place is because God said, go there. Now, understand this. There's some things in our life where we're believing for which they're general things like provision, like health, like happiness. They're for everyone. But then there's some specific things that are specific situations. Like if God's leading you to a particular job or, you know, I can remember uh, when we were at Bible college and we ran out of money and where I was working for uh, closed down and the brook dried up. And I had to work out, I had to hear from God. And I was just so thick instead, my wife told me that it's God's will for us to be here. So when you know this and you hear from God, you can believe about specific situations. But the general principle applies, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So within that, there's particular guidance. But Elijah had faith to go there because he had the word of the Lord. Find the word of the Lord. And there's some faith killers. I'm running out of time. I haven't even got the first point. (laughs) (laughs) There's some faith killers that will will create you. It'll it'll make, it'll put you on, on shaky ground. 
and they're to do with with doctrine and theology where people have just looked for hidden meanings and they become popular amongst you know pentecostals are just the worst <laughs> we just make up our own theology you know <laughs> actually every denomination does it doesn't matter whether you're a, a main labor you just gotta we've got to keep coming back to the word guys we've got to keep coming back to reading the bible just come back just keep it simple right and i was at the funeral a little while ago a wonderful uh, mighty man of God, and I was talking about how he died too young. Everyone knew what was wrong. But guy gets up there and he says this. He says, uh, there's so many of us praying for him. He said, but you know what? God's sovereign. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you, if you, uh, what do you mean by that? Come on. Does, does that mean that God promises you one thing, dies for you, and, and by his stripes you're healed, but then he goes, ah, nah, that doesn't apply to you. <laughs> it's just one of these faith-stealing statements that, you know, you, there was the movie with, um, you know, uh, I think you love me, anything. Miscongeniality. Yeah. She gets up there at this, at this, and, and what's your life dream? Oh, I want to end world poverty. Yeah, we all want to end world poverty. You know, oh, oh, that the children will be fed. Yeah, we all want. What do you mean by that? Of course, God is sovereign. That means He's King. But that doesn't mean because things happen that He wanted it or that He did it. Right. Peter says, God wills that no one be lost and that all would come into repentance. So if the sovereign God decides to allow people to disobey him, he wants us to trust him. That's how he wants the world to work. Now the Jews had this issue, of course, because they thought they should inherit the kingdom. And then God says, no, it's going to be the Gentiles as well. It's going to be by faith. And they said, that can't be right. We want it. It's ours. And then they, Paul wrote and he said, who are you, the clay, to talk to the potter? And if God declares his sovereignty by his word, and he says, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to change. I'm going to hold on to that word. I don't care what you say. That's my word. Yeah. Hebrews 1 says that he upholds the universe by the power of his word. And in God's sovereignty, he's declared, I don't care whether you call me a liar, you can try and bribe me or whatever. I will not change. My word's gone forth. It will remain. The flowers I said won't fade, the grass will wither, the sunlight forth, but the word of God never changes. It endures forever. You know the story of Balak and Balaam? The Balak was this king who was trying to attack Israel, and he just wanted the prophet of God to turn there, turn to Numbers 23. Numbers 23, actually, not 23. Um, Because it's a very interesting situation there. 
But we have to become stubborn about the goodness of God. We have to become, we've got to know his promises and know if they apply to us because the testing will come on those. That's where the testing will come. And we've got to be stubborn. The prayer of faith is stubborn. It's single-minded because it's fully convinced of the nature of God. There are some things we've got to be just so fully convinced that there's no variation, no shifting of shadow. I don't care what the symptoms look like. I don't care what the, you know, you, well, you know the doctor says something, take some medicine, take some medicine. Say, I trust God, take some medicine. You know, that's fine. That's where your faith is. But God wants you well. God wants you to have a joy in your life. If you're not feeling it, speak it. Get up there in the morning, laugh at the devil, and just speak it. It'll come to pass. So, so Balaam's trying to get this prophet, Balak, the king, is trying to get this prophet to prophesy against Israel. And he offers him a whole bunch of money. The story develops over here because Balaam ended up getting the money by uh, enticing Israel into sin. But when it came to prophesy, Balaam's like, back and forth, this and other, let's see if we can get God. But in the end, when he came to prophesy, look at verse 18. And this is God's word coming out of Balaam's mouth. Because Balak, you understand, he didn't understand that God never changes. When God says, I'm going to bless Israel, I'll bless Israel. When he says Jesus is coming back, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back, guys. He's coming back. A word, no matter what the world looks like, that word stands true. And on the other side of it, we're going to look back and say, yeah, I knew all along. <laughs> That's why I didn't worry about what the government did this and this. I knew all along. He says this. He took up his discourse and said, Arise, Balak, and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he would lie, nor is he the son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said, will he not do it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? First step, and there's others, know the promises of God and I had all three of them down there but I need another hour we need to know guys we need to know what right we've got to come before the Father we need to know the price that was paid for us to go into his presence and ask boldly we need to understand that but the first thing is be fully convinced of the goodness of God that his word is spoken and it doesn't matter what a movie says it doesn't matter what a theologian says it doesn't, you know, don't get into this. God's declared his sovereignty. He said, this is the way it is. No bad thing comes from me. Only good things. No evil. Don't receive it. Comes knocking at your door. So I'm sorry, you got the wrong address. I was thinking of looking for that sinner down the road. Because only light comes in here. We're going to have stubborn, who wants to have stubborn faith? Just fully convinced about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. If any man is single-minded when they pray, they can expect to receive from God.
But whoever comes to God believes that he's present and he rewards those who come to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord. And you are the God of light and you've given us light today. Pray the eyes of our heart will be open to act on that so that we can stubbornly believe you, single-mindedly hold to you. And no matter how we're feeling, we know you are good. The Lord is good. His mercies <coughs> endure forever. Father, build up faith within us through your word, through your spirit. Bless your people today, Father, for this week. Bless the mothers amongst us. Thank you for their grace that they have to be mothers. And thank you, Lord, for our people, our family here, that we grow strong in faith and increase in love. Father, you're a God who does not change. You have declared and it shall be. There is no variation or shifting shadow in you. Every good thing, every perfect gift comes from you. And Father, we declare this week we're going to be stubborn, holding on to your goodness, because we know our God. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. All the people said, Amen. Praise God.